Hey there, and welcome back to the Alligator Sports Podcast, and this is your third ever episode. And today is March 3rd, and that means March Madness, which means we'll have plenty to talk about when it comes to uh, men's basketball, women's basketball, all throughout the month, uh, SEC tournaments, uh, national tournaments, and of course, uh, we have we got other sports to talk about. And with that being said, let's get into our weekly review of everything in Florida Gator Athletics. Another busy one for Florida Gator Athletics this past week. Let's start it off with number six baseball. They are currently standing at six and two after riding a five-game winning streak. Two games coming against the University of North Florida and three against Samford University. And then uh, Jacob Young actually had a huge walk-off on Sunday to win ten to nine. And then Saturday's game finished in a absolute domination by Florida baseball, eighteen to two. And with that being said, Swim and Dive is your SEC champions. They uh, had a week-long trek to take care of it, and they did it. They are your SEC champion champ, <laughs> champions, and they will now move on to compete in the national title tournament. Men's basketball, their season's sl- slowly coming to a close. Uh, Kentucky was defeated 71 to 67 on Saturday. Trey Mann makes his comeback. He scored 21 points, put up eight rebounds, and recorded a steal. As for Colin Castleton, he put up 14 points of his own, claiming five rebounds and getting a steal of his own. Then, when it comes to women's basketball, they suffered a 95 to 80 loss versus number 17 Georgia on uh, the other night. It was their senior night, the final game of, of the season before heading into their conference t- uh, tournament, which starts today at 4.30, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, the defense could not stop Georgia Stady, who put up 30 points and also grabbed 13 boards. Softball is still perfect on the season. They are 12-0. and The undefeated streak is still alive. They defeated North Florida, Louisville twice, and then McNeese State consecutively. Louisville was in a two-game series over this past weekend. Uh, as for soccer, they recently had their game of home, but when they returned, they played South Florida, and it was uh, not the most entertaining one as they drew 0-0, 0-0 after the game. Uh, the Becky Burley farewell tour uh, is still underway. As for gymnastics, they are still unbelievable. Uh, they are still undefeated. Uh, they recently just placed, just they re- recently just faced Auburn, and they won uh, by just a slim margin of one ninety-eight point two seventy-five to one ninety-seven point oh two five. And that does it for the Florida Gator Athletic Weekly Review. Let's take it back to the main show. Today, I got to sit down with the Florida basketball beat writer, Declan Walsh. And it was a very interesting conversation. We got to talk about uh, basically just the entirety of the Florida basketball season uh, this past weekend and how they did versus Kentucky a little bit about Keontae Johnson, and um, yeah, it was very fun, 
and hopefully you you guys enjoy. Here's a conversation between me and Declan Walsh. All right, so I'm sitting here with Declan Walsh of the Independent Florida Alligator. He is both the men's basketball writer and the sports editor. Declan, how are you doing today, my man? Doing pretty great, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's uh, March, can't complain. March Madness, favorite time of the year, you know. Uh, even though basketball season is coming to a close, it is probably the most exciting part of any any sports event ever. Uh, but how are you feeling about March? Are you excited? Yeah, just, uh, college basketball season definitely going out of the bang. Um, yeah, it's my favorite time of the year. A lot of my favorite, you know, sporting memories were made in the next, you know, three or four uh, weeks. Um, and, you know, I think especially this year, there are a lot of really, really good teams. Um, you know, Gonzaga and Baylor stand out as, you know, clear, uh, you know, one and two. But I think there's a lot of best of the rest teams that can really, you know, uh, have a great run in the in, late in the tournament. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And uh, that being said, let's uh, let's kind of give a, a little bit of a review this year for Florida basketball, I guess. And let's start with one of the main headlines, uh, especially for me, that stood out. Uh, that was uh, going back to the Florida State game, and it was a scary moment uh, for Florida fans and really just for any sports fan in general, the collapse of Keontae Johnson. Uh, it was very horrific to watch on television. Uh, definitely not something I would recommend going up to, to looking up to watch. Uh, but he was rushed to the hospital in Tallahassee. He was uh, he was well taken care of by, by the doctors of, of Florida State. Um, and, uh, yeah, so Declan, what was your perspective of that whole, uh, County Johnson incident? Yeah. So, um, it was over the winter break. So I was covering the, uh, contest remotely. Um, he just thrown a, done a dunk, um, like 90 seconds earlier. So I didn't really, I, you know, I didn't notice any, anything off about it. Um, but he, uh, you know, that he, uh, that it went to a very strange commercial break, and I didn't entirely understand what was happening. Uh, but when it, when they came back, they mentioned that Kante Johnson had collapsed, um, and I figured oh, dehydration maybe. Um, but you know, he he they reported he's going to the hospital, and then you know, our, our staff and I, you know, we were in, engaged with it pretty much throughout the day, you know, the following days. But information slowly started to trickle out. Um, he's announced he's in a medically induced coma, I believe, on Monday. Um, following the Saturday game, he was uh, taken out of that coma two days later. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, in days following, he was released from the hospital and you know started to see his teammates and stuff like that. Um, he was, you know, sidelined for the rest of the season. Obviously, uh, he, you know, uh, they weren't entirely able to determine what, what happened, um, but he was not eligible to play for the rest of the season. Um, and then around the new year, uh, Zach Alpoverdi of the Gainesville Sun um, had reported that uh, Keontae developed acute myocarditis, and that was uh, the cause. Um, you know, this was never uh, corroborated by the university. And in, you know, I believe last month, uh, the university put a report uh, citing a number of uh, cardiologists, pulmonologists, and, you know, uh, health experts uh, saying that they concluded that Keontae uh, Johnson's collapse and condition were not related to COVID-19. Um, so it's unclear um, what exactly happened. But, you know, it, the most important thing is that Keontae seems to be okay. He seems to have plans of returning to the court. And, you know, cognitively and physically, he seems to be all right. Yeah, that's that's all that people can really ask for, whether or not you're a Florida fan or 
or a state fan, whether it be, all you can really hope for is that this person, this human being, by the way, is alive and doing well. Um, but with that being said, and what he did recover, uh, he did come back to the team, not in a player role, but rather in a assistant coach role. Is, is, there, is there anything you can uh, shed some light on for, for that role? He does? Yeah, I mean, he, uh, he's he been seen you know, pretty, I think... Um, he's been very you know, kind of a personable, calming aspect. He's been, you know, kind of like very, you know, chummy with the players a lot of the time. He's still, you know, the players, you know, he's a very popular guy in the locker room. People like his presence. So him being around is good. He's also, you know, SEC player of the, player of the year, uh, preseason player of the year. Um, you know, very talented guy. He knows a ton about the game. So his kind of, uh, you know, perspective on the sidelines has been important too. And he's been very vocal and, you know, very kind of, coaching and teaching especially a lot of the guys that are breaking into the team um recently right and uh and yeah from what i've seen uh, on on broadcast and whenever i can make it to a game at, at the odome uh he definitely seems to be very very active in that huddle very active uh when the team is at play right. uh may, maybe even as loud as coach mike white maybe even louder who knows but uh, I, i'm just i'm just glad to see that he's on the court in some capacity having some kind of role with the team still because he was he, he was a, a great player i mean to watch you know even even last season going in into this one uh, but there were lots of players that did rise rise to the occasion in place of Keontae. um and uh, is, is there anyone that stuck out to you in that role yeah so um Keontae is interesting in that he played kind of like a combo 2 3 a guard forward um, he's a tough matchup because he's six five and he's quick. You know, his guard skills very. You know, probably one of Florida's best three point shooters. Um, so it's hard to put a bigger guy on him. But at the same time, he's two forty five, so he could post up smaller guards that he put out there. Um, and he was, you know, he's, he he was big enough to defend some of the bigger players on the other side of the court. Um, so Florida really looked for help that at that uh th- four spot because they had, you know, they're struggling to guard guard the interior. Mm. Um, you know. There's a lot of big, especially in early conference games like Alabama, Mississippi State. You know, a, a pair of bigs really, you know, causing problems. But then, you know, the, the easiest answer for this is Anthony Derugia. Uh, he's a Louisiana Tech transfer um, that you know is now eligible this season, and he showed a lot of rust or trouble acclimating to the to the level of play. He really was not particularly impressive in Florida's first, uh, you know, seven out of conference games. But he had a really strong game against Vanderbilt, um, and then in the opening SEC play, um, and he and he had a couple digit, double digit games in a row, and even his scoring has kind of tapered off a little bit. Although he had a great game over the weekend against Kentucky, uh, the intangibles he brings are very important to the team as well. He he's he's his motor is great. He's an incredible athlete. You know, probably rivals Scotty's the best athlete on the team. He can jump out of the gym. Um, he's a great rebounder. Um, and you know, he'll, he'll get those hustle plays and he'll get those blocks that are really, you know, important in like saving a few points here or there. Um, Osayo Sifo is someone that I don't think anybody really expected to contribute, but he's seen some extended minutes off the bench in that kind of four role. He's six, eight junior, um, uh, Juco transfer. Uh, but he started playing basketball at a young, at a, at a later age, um, in South, in South Africa. So uh, he's got you know great physical attributes. He's just very raw and has trouble staying out of foul trouble. Uh, but there are a couple of guys that have been able to lug meaningful limits. Uh, Samson Rosensev is another one um, who's came in, you know, hit a couple shots. Uh, so you know, uh, Keontae was, you know, he had 
he had a 31.8% usage rate, which is uh, 20th in the country um, currently. So, you know, you're never going to find a player on the Florida bench that's going to play replace Keontae wholesale. You're going to do a piecemeal, and Jerushi and Asifo and Rusense have all kind of worked together to fill in that three role. Right. And uh, so, basically, back to coming back to Keontae, um, do you, is there is there a chance that he is able to return to basketball, or is he a senior and just looking to move on, or? Um. So Kendrick has been pretty autonomous. Uh, he's mentioned that he wants. To, he's he's kind of putting together like a, a project, trying to, kind of trying to detail what exactly his plans are going forward. Uh, it seems like it. He's spending a lot of time with a team. Uh, it's hard to imagine he spent so much time with the team, two years of eligibility left, and not really uh, consider playing again. Right. Um. But it, it's really hard to say at this point what exactly he wants to do. Um, there hasn't been a ton of reporting about it, and I think you know the, the, it's kind of information that Kante really wants to uh, deliver at his own pace. Right. Um, you know, there have been, if the myocarditis uh, diagnosis is correct, there have been comparable cases in other professional sports. I'm blanking on the name. There's a pitcher for the Red Sox who developed myocarditis and missed the season, but is expected to to return next. Uh, you know, starting to training this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are other players in the NFL and various other sports that have developed myocarditis as a COVID complication, um, sat out the season are expected to return. So there's, you know, there's players in a comparable position to Keontae that have returned, but it's not entirely clear what Keontae will do personally. Right. Okay. So it's totally up to him. He totally has the option. Right. Like exactly. He's totally yeah. allowed. Yeah. He's oh, yeah. Eligible. yeah. Okay. That's, that, that's cool. I, well, hey, no pressure on him, obviously. Right, uh, yeah. you, you know, you can, you can do as he pleases. Um, so yeah, so, uh, moving on from, from, from him, uh, you know, I'm sure he's going to be a, a great asset to have, whether he's on the court or on the sideline. Uh, but when it comes to the, the players on the court now, uh, is, is there anyone in this, in this season of 2020 or 2021, I guess I should say that stuck out to you as a MVP? Uh, Castleton's the MVP for me, okay. I think. Um, you know, especially when you consider, um, what his expectations were coming to the program. I mean, so I, I'm a I'm a big Rutgers guy. So I watched him, you know, play really well against the Scarlet Knights um, last season. Uh, so I, I I was always pretty high on him. But the expectation coming in was he was a big part player at Michigan. He's probably not going to be much more effective at Florida. Uh, but he's kind of blown those expectations out of the water. He's, I consider, an all-conference kind of uh, candidate. Uh, there's a lot of big men in the SEC, very talented big men in the SEC, so I think uh, it would be difficult for him to get into that, you know, first team all-conference selection. But I think he's, he's up there, you know, talent-wise. Um, he's he's an elite shot blocker, top 50 in, in block shot percentage. Um, he's an excellent rebounder, both ends of the floor. He's an excellent scorer. He's got one of the, you know, best effective field goal rates in the country. Um, fantastic free throw shooters, around 75% from the line on the year. Uh, for, which for a six eleven guy who doesn't score a ton from distance, um, that is very good. And I was especially impressed Kentucky against Kentucky. He he hit like a 10, 10 foot like, kind of like fall away jumper. Okay. Um, which which was great to see. Um, him showing a little bit of range. Um, because you know Florida Florida runs a lot of like high ball screen offense. Well, they'll bring you know, um, uh, Castleton out to the top of the key to kind of trade space instead of pick for, uh, you know, either Appleby or man driving and you're trying to, you know, but you know, if Castleton can kind of, uh, 
uh, pop out, you know, to the, like the elbow, knock on a jump shot, it creates a lot more space. And, you know, it, it puts a lot more pressure on guarding him where, you know, and it just adds to him already being a very effective scorer, which he is down low, uh, you know, dunking the ball, creating space. Now, so he has a little like eight inch kind of like hook shot off the glass. So he can, you can score in a number of ways at the line. Um, you know, he can get up, he can score and he has a little bit of a shot from distance. So I think I've been really, really impressed with him. Nice. Nice. And, uh, I guess a, a little follow-up to that question would be, is there anyone that's been slept on on the Gators? Anyone on the bench that you think deserves to be in that starting five? Or do you think the starting five is perfect the way it is? I think the starting five is pretty good. Um, you know, Mike White runs a pretty active uh, defense. Not, he, he likes to get out of transition. He's very handsy, very aggressive on defense. Um, um, so there's always a need for substitutions. Um, so it, you know, it, a lot of coaches will say it's not who starts, it's who finishes on the floor. Um, uh, so I think uh, Tyree Appleby, he starts, um, but he's not really held in the same regard as maybe Castleton or Trey Mann. I don't think he should be. I think he's he offers kind of that burst of speed that Florida might not have in some other positions. He's incredibly quick. He's great at getting to the hole. Um, he's a good finisher at the rim, but he also is a great passer. Um, so he's probably the best threat in the Gators for kind of penetrating off the dribble, collapsing the defense, and looking for three-point shooters, which has been important. Um, you know, Florida, you know, hasn't shot the ball from three as well as of late. Pretty good performance against Kentucky, 7 for 15. Uh, but they need to get back. You know, before that, they were shooting about 26% over the last four games, and they need to get back to a three-point shooting form, uh, I think. You know, they're, they're one of the best teams – uh, shooting three ball coming, uh, you know, on a season wide basis in the SEC, and Appleby is a big part of that because he collapses the defense, he forces them, he draws a lot of defenders, and he can kick out for for good looks from the perimeter. All right, all right, so all right, so yeah, that's a sleeper. That's the MVP. Uh, all right, so let's get it a little bit into this past weekend. Um, it was it was the the last game for Florida, uh, I guess, before uh, today, uh, but against Missouri, but uh, their last game was versus Kentucky. They just barely held them off by I believe it was four or five. Oh, uh, four, yes, yeah. yeah, by four, and then um, and yeah, so just kind of kind of, kind of take me into that day and uh, your your own perspective and into uh, how the Gators went into that one. Yeah, I mean, uh, Kentucky really took the Gators behind the woodshed. Uh, first time they played, uh, Florida couldn't buy a bucket. Shot like 37 percent from the field. Mm. Um, against yeah. instigators at the at the O Dome. Um, and it looked like it was gonna go. All the same way over the first ten minutes, um, Kentucky took a ten point lead uh, after some like well, Mike White technical gave them a, yeah, four free throws. Uh, they just looked really kind of directionless on offense. They didn't really have a lot of you know there's no creativity. They're very stagnant possessions, a lot of four shots, and Kentucky was really getting out in transition, hitting a lot of shots um, and running good offense. Um, but I think Mike White made a good adjustment. Um, he he extended he the defense. He kind of showed, like, pre- full-court press, dropped off and trapped in the half-court, which I think was good in speeding up a Kentucky team. I did a number of things. It's forced turnovers, which are important, um, because, you know, live ball turnovers are great for a team like Florida that likes to get out and transition, uh, and they're, they're very good there. Um, it, it, it prevented Kentucky from getting into their half-court offense, kind of disrupted their flow, um, you know, took time off the shot clock. And, and it, it sped up a young Kentucky team. It's a very, very young team. doesn't play at a particularly high tempo. So they they don't like to get sped up. They're not really comfortable 
are entirely used to the SEC pace of play. Um, so I think that was a really good adjustment from, from White, and it worked. They went on an eight zero run immediately, and then um, it took a little. Uh, and then you know it was a pretty back and forth the rest of the game. Uh, neither team led by more than five from the point on. Wow. Um. Yeah. So it was, you know, uh, kind of just like uh, Balboa Creed. You know, going going back and forth. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> um. But uh, you know, you know, Trey Mann was really big on the stretch. He he had a nice. I'm sure Gator fans remember, like, uh, crossover, step back, the far side baseline, really iced the game for the Gators. Um, you know, I thought it was pretty gutsy performance um, overall. They obviously, uh, they held, they continued to play really, really great defense in the second half. They held Kentucky, Kentucky to, I believe, 34% shooting. Uh, turnovers were a bit of a bugaboo. They had 10 in the second half, which is uh, bad. Uh, but it's not been a really consistent problem for the Gators' uh, turnovers. Um, so I think that's all right, just in a vacuum. So I, I was impressed with the performance wholesale. Uh, you know, Mike White, who is often critical of this team's performance and energy, was, seemed, seemed to be pretty happy with it. Uh, so I think it continues, you know, a, a good stretch of games for Florida. You know, they've won seven of nine. They've won three in a row, um, you know, before before the game. Tonight against Missouri, uh, so I, I was impressed. I thought it was a good performance. Nice, nice. Uh, would you say that the Saturday performance is a good representation of what's to come for this uh, SEC tournament coming up? Sure. I mean, I think if you look at you know how the game unfolded, I started off with really you know poor defense. I think they really like Kentucky or whatever they wanted, and that was indicative of the you know the first portion of the season. You know, going into the West Virginia game, uh, Florida was. Uh, ranked 17th in adjusted offensive efficiency, which is elite, and 51st in adjusted defensive efficiency, which is uh, not like a tournament caliber defense. Um, and I think what would happen is, you know, uh, you know, Florida's offense would kind of throw up a clunker, and uh, Florida's defense, um, you know, just wasn't as good. And Mike White's talked about this, and I, I tend to agree with him. I think Florida's defense is motivated by how well they perform on offense. You know, getting the ball in the basket gives them energy. They play better defense, they're more handsy. Um, but when they don't score, they kind of down tools on defense a little bit. They're, they're not as aggress- they're aggressive. They're not as handsy. Uh, they're a little more complacent, and they lose a little bit of, like, energy and, and desire on defense. So I think when when the offense wanes, the defense kind of circles too. And you'll see, like, you know, South Carolina, they just really, you know, like, 14-1 to 1 run down the stretch for the Gamecocks. Um, they'll kind of tend to go they they tended to just like collapse a little bit when their defense you know their offense wasn't playing well they didn't have a great defense but their defense has improved improved greatly over the last uh five games or so uh they're now ranked 29th in adjusted defensive efficiency which is a huge jump from 51 oh, yeah. um so i think they've you know and then like in the kentucky game the defense improved uh greatly and even as their offense was was decent it wasn't you know anything spectacular but they were able to you know they had a more stout base in a, in a good defense and that's able then able, you know, over, over the recent games, been able to kind of gut out victories and, you know, find themselves in winning positions where they might not have before, you know, with the subpar defense. Right. And uh, so let's kind of take that into the game tonight, right. which is going on at the O'Connell center versus Missouri. Uh, so I believe that you'll be in the building tonight, right? I will be in the building. Yeah, absolutely. Sweet. Awesome. Okay, I will look for you on TV. But um, <laughs> regarding that, uh, kind of take me through tonight. Do you think? Do you think that uh, 
if, if they play the same way that they did Saturday, that's a pretty good shot that they'll win versus Mizzou. Yeah, I think Mizzou's uh, kind of limping to the finish line a little bit. Up to the last four or five. And they haven't really been playing world beaters either. Um, lost to Georgia at home by 10. Um, they they got swept by Ole Miss in that stretch, including a 21-point loss in Oxford. Um, so I think uh, Jeremiah Tillman missed two of those games, and he's back. And I think he'll be a difference maker uh, for the Tigers. Um, he is similar to Castleton and, I guess, Omar Payne to a certain extent in that he's not a huge threat away from the rim. Uh, but he's a very gritty player, very determined and effective in certain ways. Um, he's one of the best offensive rebounders in the country. He's a top 50 offensive rebounding rate. Oh, okay. And then that's especially effective against a Gator team that really is not rebound particularly well in the defensive ends. They rank 291st in defensive rebounding percentage, which is... Yikes. <laughs> yeah, you're just hearing that, it's not a great number. That could be a little bit better, um, I think. <laughs> so I think that that's a key area to, to look at going out into tonight. Uh, can uh, the Gators keep uh, Tillman off the glass? Um, I think a lot of that will come down to, I think, uh, Castleton and Payne are elite shot blockers, uh, but sometimes they'll overcommit on blocking shots, which can leave uh, the weak side rebounding... We, we set glass open, um, you know, for offensive rebounds, and Tillman kind of thrives in that area. Um, Tillman's also great at drawing fouls. Uh, he draws more than six, about six and a half fouls every 40 minutes, uh, which is one of the best numbers in the country. Okay. But, um, but is he great? Oh, he's, 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 you know, I think part of that is teams employ a little bit of a hack-a-shack strategy because he's uh, around a 50% free throw shooter. Mm, okay. so, um, so it's okay to send them to the line. Kind it of. is okay to send them to the line, but what I think Florida has to worry about is picking up too many fouls on Castleton and Payne early on because you know Castleton's played about 30 minutes in a lot of their you know more important games. Uh, so ha- having him sent to the bench early uh, really disrupts the Gators' slow offense and uh, would put Florida in a difficult spot. So uh, you know uh, he's not the worst guy to send to the line. He's, he's going to get his offensive rebounds, but. Uh, keeping uh, Florida's bigs out of foul trouble is a good, is an important step. Um, I think another player to look at is Xavier Pinson. Uh, he's Missouri's uh, guard and uh, point guard. He's very boomer bust. Okay. Uh, he's got a sub 100 offensive rating, which is uh, not very good. Um, but he has one of the highest usage rates in the country, very similar to what Keontae did for the Gators uh, before his. Uh, collapse and he's been very good in a lot of their bigger games. Uh, he, again, in their in their away win against Tennessee, probably one of their better wins of the season. Um, you know, he he put up double digits. He's great at the foul line. He's a great foul shooter too. He's about 83 percent from the line. Um, so the Gators need to keep him away from the free throw line. Um, and you know, hope I guess try to contain him because he has a tendency to be very inefficient. Um, but when he when he's on, he's a very dangerous player that can score at a lot of levels, and someone that can you know really cause Gators a lot of trouble, especially if him and Tillman are playing well. All right, awesome. And uh, so, so this game is it's the final home game before the SEC tournament, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. Awesome. Sweet. So, uh, so if tonight, if, if let's say they do get the win or going into the tournament, uh, how do you think the Gators will fare in the SEC tournament? I know that Kentucky, they're usually the one of the you know, elite, you know, basketball programs in the country. It's same with Tennessee, but even the Gators beat Tennessee this year. Uh, they just beat Kentucky. I, I'm pretty sure that you just mentioned that they split them this year. Uh, do you think that 
they'll make it far. Do you think that the SEC title is within the reach of Florida? So they have two games left oh, two games tonight, left. Okay, and they play at Tennessee. So they're going up to Knoxville over the weekend, and that'll that'll be their last regular season game. Okay. If they win both, I believe they should get themselves to net to a third place finish in the conference. Okay. Uh, it should be their best finish since 2018. It also gives them a double bye in the SEC tournament, uh, which should be important um, in avoiding those first two rounds of games. So they'd have to win three games to win the tournament, which is doable. If one, they just won three in a row. Um, again, I, so they've beaten Tennessee, who has actually fallen off a little bit. They're not quite at the top of the conference. Um, so I, the, the real, you know, you know, the teams are competing with at that kind of, you know, at the at the summit of the SEC. Uh, um, Mountain would be, you know, Alabama is trying to wear the division, uh, but Arkansas is up there, LSU is up there. Um, so those are like the four really elite teams in the SEC. Um, so, um, you know, I, I, they can be like, you know, Vanderbilt took Alabama to the wire. By far the worst team in the conference had had a great opportunity taking down by, by far the best team in the conference. So I don't think there's anybody good enough in the SEC where the Gators can't match up with them talent wise. It'll just be stringing together good uh, performances, hoping they stay hot from beyond the arc. Um, but I think they have more than enough talent to do it. Um, you know, three games, anything can happen. Other back to back, there's gonna be fatigue. There's gonna be a lot of other factors. So I think the Gators certainly have the talent to win the SEC. And then that, you know, they, they can win the SEC tournament. I, there's no telling how high their, their uh, NCAA stock could rise. You know, I, you know, they're comfortably situated at a seven right now. You know, I'd say they're a lock for the tournament. Uh, uh, T rank has them at 100% odds for making the NCAA tournament. So I don't think Gators need to be concerned. Gator fans need to be concerned on that front. Um, but I think in terms of their ceiling, uh, I think uh, if they split their games coming out, they'll probably stay around the seven line um, going forward. Uh, I think if they win the SEC tournament, they could rise high as like a three or a four. I think realistically, they'll probably settle in that like six to seven range. Um, and I think if they lose out, they could and lose in the SEC tournament, they could fall as low as a ten. Uh, so there's still a lot of uh, you know, variability left in the in the season. Uh, there's really no telling where exactly the Gators are going to fall. Uh, but they have a great opportunity to, to get really into like the high seeds and give themselves a good path getting into the Sweet Sixteen. All right, awesome, sweet. So that's your prediction. Uh, I guess I'm on the March Madness tournament is, uh, is the what if if they do if they or do not win the SEC title. Um, so I guess the one last question I'll answer with you because we're running low on time is uh, so let's say best case scenario, uh, the Gators went out tonight. They went out versus Tennessee and they do fairly well in SEC tournament. Let's say they get that, like fourth. Fourth place, I guess. Not or they the they make it to the semifinals. I sure. should say, okay. yeah. Um, so that puts them at like a mid 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 tier ranking in March Madness in the national tournament. Uh, do you think the Gators will make it pretty far in, in the national tournament? Would you when you fill out your bracket? Would you put them in the Elite Eight, Sweet Sixteen, or uh, even Final Four? Like, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> you have to. It, it's really hard to say because, um. You know, Florida's a little low on quad one wins. Um, they're, they're not going to get it tonight. Missouri would be called two game. If they can beat Tennessee, that'd be huge. Um, I think uh, I think if they win tonight, uh, win over the weekend against Tennessee, 
or they can pick up a nice, um, you know, it'll be a neutral court uh, scenario, so they'll have more of an opportunity to get those quad one wins. So they can match up against a, you know, a top 50 team and, and win, and it'd be another quad one win. They can get themselves into like that five or six line. Um, I think obviously you'd expect them to win their opening game. And I think uh, Swiss teams a reasonable expectation uh, for this team, given how well they've been playing as of late and the talent that's on the roster. Um, it, it, it's a hard thing to predict um, without seeing the matchups, I think. Right. Uh, you know, Florida struggled against Lent this year. Uh, you get a really long team that might not, you know, have great metrics, uh, like cause the get some problems. But yeah, I'll go in the limb. I'll, I'll say they get to the Sweet 16 for the first time in a, in a little while. Okay, sweet. And, you know, like we say, it's it's a little bit down the road here. We didn't even know who's making the tournament, who's officially in, who's officially out. I know Florida's like a lock. There might be a couple more teams that are absolute locks, but, you know, we definitely have to take a good, good Absolutely, look at the yeah, bracket. Yeah. So, yeah. But, hey, man, thank you so much for, for coming on to the show today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Hopefully you had a great time. Uh, and, yeah, I really appreciate you having me on, man. You know, great. I love talking about basketball, so I'll take any chance I got. Sweet. Um, <laughs> yeah, so. right. You got a lot more expertise than I do, and I, and I, and I appreciate that. So Declan's going to be in the in the Stephen O'Connell Center tonight for Florida and Missouri. He'll give you all the updates on that, I'm sure. Uh, with Dylan, I'll show you the other basketball writer. Uh, but Declan, again, thank you, man, for hopping on, and uh, we'll take it back to the main show. I appreciate it. Thank you. Of course, man. <laughs> all right, that was a great session. Uh, Declan was super fun to have on the show, and. Um, He'll, he'll be at the game tonight. And speaking of the game tonight, how about we do a good old weekly preview of Florida Gator Athletics, shall we? All right, let's get right into it, and let's start with men's basketball. They will be playing tonight against Missouri at 6.30 at the Stephen O'Connell Center. And, yeah, and then as for women's basketball, they will be starting their play today at 4 o'clock for the SEC tournament. So stay tuned for that and wish the women luck as they will try to make a name for themselves at the end of the year. As for baseball, they fell down to number six in the national rankings. But nonetheless, they will still be playing Florida Atlantic tonight. And it will be hosting them as well as hosting a three-game series against Florida A&M over the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then not before, or that is before, I should say, they play the standalone game against Georgia State next Tuesday. As for softball, uh, they will be playing New Mexico State today, Wednesday. And before that, they will be going into a two-game series. I should say after that, excuse me. After that, they will be playing a two-game series against Florida State on Friday and Saturday followed by a day's rest. And then South Dakota is going to pay a visit on Monday. As for soccer, they will be playing just a friendly exhibition with arch rival Florida State this Saturday. And before that, I actually meant it this time, before that, um, gymnastics will be meeting in Tuscaloosa, Alabama on Friday at 8.30 to try and remain absolutely perfect and try and take home this uh, maybe soon-to-be SEC title, but we will see. We'll keep you all updated on gymnastics. They've been great. And, uh, yeah, Friday 8.30 for gymnastics. And from Florida Volleyball, they will be hosting the Arkansas Razorbacks, 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 uh, this 
<laughs> Razorbacks this weekend uh, on Friday and Saturday. That should be a good one. Good back-to-back uh, for next week. And then as Florida Gator Tennis, it will be top-ranked matchups all weekend for them. Uh, the number 10 men's team will be hosting number 14 Georgia, while the women travel to number 3 Georgia in, in Athens. And then on Sunday, the men will host number 3 Tennessee, while the women pay a visit to number 21 Tennessee. So busy week for the Gainers, and good luck all around to them. And uh, let's take it back to the main show. All right, awesome. We had a super fun show today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. And thank you for uh, for helping me grow the audience uh, for you guys. It's been an absolute pleasure being your host. I love talking to you guys. I love all the guests that come on. Special shout out to Declan. Uh, he stuck out through all the technical difficulties that we had through the episode. But we got our session done. It was a very super fun session. Um, I had a great time talking about Florida basketball. And hopefully you guys have a great week. Um, don't don't go outside. Stay, stay indoors. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. Um, stay safe. Don't catch COVID. All that good stuff. Uh, so once again, guys, my name is Jesse. I am your host. And I am now signing off. You guys have a fantastic and safe weekend.